Welcome to the Blazing Ember podcast, where we aim to amplify the voices of Latino professionals. We, Diana and Maria, founded this podcast to explore unspoken rules and all the ships, leadership, mentorship, sponsorship, and allyship with Latino leaders. We are here to ignite your path to success with valuable insights. Bienvenidos. Hello, today we're talking with Adrian Valencia Garcia, who is a good friend and currently the Senior Vice President, Deputy General Counsel, Commercial for Senge Gage Group. That is a long title. Um, <laughs> before, <laughs> before that, she spent many years at IBM in various roles, most recently being the Senior Counsel who supported blockchain solutions back when none of us understood what blockchain was and other technology leadership roles. And let's not forget, she's also an LCLD fellow in 2018 and part of the Hispanic National Bar Association for the 25 program, which is a pipeline program that's aimed at advancing Hispanic attorneys to general counsel roles. So thank you for joining us, Adrian. We're looking forward to chatting with you. Me too. Thanks for having me. And so there's a lot to cover here, but I have to mention this. Adrian's a native New Yorker like Maria and myself. She's Fordham Law grad like me and Colombian as well. I just had to drop that in there because otherwise a part of me would die, Maria. I know, but I, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking we've been recording back to back with just Colombians. We got to shake this up a little. Okay. Uh, we will. We're just getting no, it's been, it's been great. We've had yeah. some, some great Colombian women. I love it. Yes. So I think we can get started with kind of the most basic question, which is, did you always want to be a lawyer, Adrian? No, I actually wanted to be a pediatrician because being the daughter of immigrants from Colombia, my career choices were doctor or lawyer, heavily leaning towards doctor. And so I always loved kids. And if you asked me when I was literally five years old, I would have said, oh, pediatrician, because I want to be a doctor. and I love kids. Until I got to college my first year at Stony Brook, so really committed to pre-med and ended up on academic probation because the science courses were killing me. And no matter how much I studied, how much I asked for extra help, it just was not clicking. Meanwhile, over to the left, poli sci, I was doing really well, borrowing people's notes and not going to class. So (laughs) I started focusing on that, had a business law class with an adjunct professor. So great that both of you are doing that service. Mm. Who was in this power red suit? She worked at a firm, and I just wanted to be her. And so that just sealed the deal for me and just focused on what it took to get to law school and ended up at Fordham Law. That is so cool. I didn't realize that. I think you bring a great point about the necessity of being seen, right? Of looking at somebody who you could be and making such a significant life choice founded on that and other things, obviously, right? Yeah, that's important. Sorry. We're, no, we're no. Over. no, I said that's why it's important for people to see people like us, right? I mean, I think that's a, a great example of I saw somebody, I figured I could be that bo- that body, and here you are. So go ahead, Diana. Sorry. Oh, no, n- no need for apologize. I think I'm just extra perky because it's the morning. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a morning person. After you went to law school, proud Fordham law grad, wh- where did you go? So from Fordham, I uh, went to a small uh, 
plaintiff's class action firm, which now I say it with a little bit of, because they just get a bad rap as far as the type of work that they do. Um, But it was through on-campus recruiting. And I'll just make a plug for anyone listening who's um, a student or recent grad, and you don't really have a lot to put on your resume. The thing that got me that job was back then, I don't know, even know if you still get this advice, but like skills and interests, like other to make you sound different. I put Knicks fan because I genuinely was a Knicks fan at the time. (laughs) The partner who came to interview had courtside season tickets for the Knicks. And we spent most of the interview talking about that. So it's about finding that connection. Got me in the door, got the summer, summer associate role, got the offer and stayed there for almost five years. Wow. Wow. I spent almost five years at that firm, made the move to a broader, more uh, well-known law firm, uh, Dwayne Morris, uh, in the New York office, spent almost five years there. And I was a litigation associate. I pretty much thought I was going to be a litigation partner, even though I had no idea what that looked like or what that meant and didn't know anyone. But I just thought, oh, that's what I see. That's what I'm going to do. When uh, one of the newly minted partners who I had worked with when she was an associate called me into her office and said, Adrian, I don't think litigation is your passion. To which I can only imagine what my facial expression looked like. (laughs) My immediate thought was, oh my gosh, am I getting fired? Which thankfully was not the case, but it was almost this bright light shining in my face where I had never considered whether I was passionate about the work I was doing. And I think we use the word passionate or finding your passion a little too loosely these days, but to at least enjoy or or get a little excited about some of the work. It it was just what I did. And I thought I did it well, but I guess I, I didn't do it with bells and whistles. And that led me on a path of, I think it initially started with a little bit of desperation because I didn't know if there was a time clock on potentially being shown the exit, but to explore, well, where do I go from here? And I never knew at the time when I was in law school about working in-house, right? Of course, companies have lawyers who work on behalf of the company, but it wasn't something I had ever been exposed to. So that was where I sort of shifted my focus. But then there was the challenge of, but then what do I do in-house? Because if litigation is not my passion, I don't want to move to be an attorney at a company managing litigation. So there was uh, some self-exploration, which is uh, when I got to meet Maria through the HMBA planning committee for the 2000, what is it, 2004? New York York Conference. She was sharing about what she did and ended up asking, hey, are they hiring? Can I give you my resume? And off we went. Wait, did I know this? I feel like I didn't know this at all, or maybe you didn't. I didn't know how you guys knew each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was working on the conference. So that so that's like another point for people to think about, right? Is that as you volunteer on these activities, you get to know people, and it's different from I went in and said, "Here's a resume of someone I know," but I've also seen her in action, right? Because we all we worked tirelessly to get this convention together. And so I was able to talk about her work habits and her temperament and the attitude and and just who she was. And so people should never turn down an opportunity to participate in something, even though, God, it may be a pain in the what, 
But I have to tell you, uh, most of the people who worked on that conference, we're still all really close. Really are. It, it was a game changer. It really is. So I want to go back to your statement real quick. The person who gave you this statement, the newly minted partner, were they white? Were they of color? There was no one of color other than me at the firm. Okay. Um, so they were white. <laughs> white woman. Who, by the way, we've continued a great friendship and she's very active in the New York Women's Foundation. So I get an invite to their annual event every year. And every year I see her, I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because if you hadn't said that, I have no idea where I would be right now. Yeah. So that brings up two issues in my mind. The first one is, so oftentimes, right, the feedback we get is not always as direct. Um, and sometimes we feel like the feedback we get is nuanced with, I am the only person of color. So is this because it's me who isn't it really into litigation or is this because I'm the Latina? And again, there's this higher standard. So I think I would have initially been like, what? Wait a second. What are you talking about? And then processed it, which you did. And then my second point is, she actually gave you real feedback, which is a complaint that we often see with lawyers of color who are not getting the real feedback and therefore not knowing where they're tripping up. So exactly. can you comment on those? For sure. The fact that the comments came with examples, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think she was prepared for the fact that I would say, well, what do you mean? I don't understand or tell me right. more. Right? However... Right whatever words I managed to muster in that moment. <laughs> but she was able to say, well, you don't really, you don't really get excited when an order to show cause comes in <laughs> Friday, three day weekend. And I was like, does anyone? <laughs> the best example she yes, gave. Yes, Adrian. the answer is yes. Some of us do get excited. I'm like, ah, the best example she gave me was when a new matter comes in, your instinct is to see how it can be resolved. Whereas a litigation partner, litigation associate, litigation gunner is thinking about, okay, how can we really approach discovery and deposition schedule and move to trial and settlement is, please, right. we're in litigation. Right. Not just revealed where my natural tendency. Mm. Mm. I'm more of a let's bring everyone together. That whole adversarial component, which I mean, hello, it's litigation. You're fighting until right. you're getting to a resolution. It was not my jam at all, but I didn't know any better. So I just kind of leaned in and I'm like, well, this is the job. I, I love it. There's there's like a silly a, what the silly phrase or I don't even know if it's silly, really, to be honest. It's it's the truth will set you free. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is it. This was kind of that moment where you had to face the truth via feedback. And Maria, all the people that we've talked to in this podcast and getting ready to launch, and now we've launched, I think that there is something to be said with each individual that they have some moment or maybe many moments where they're discovering who they really are right? And who they really want to be. And I think that's very powerful, right? So you had that moment and you found where your heart lies, right? What you actually can be passionate about, which is awesome. Right. A true right. gift for sure. And not something they teach you in law school. No, no absolutely not. <laughs> Please back into your courses. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm going to switch you to IBM, which lovely that all three of us are uh, either current or former IBMers. So you spent 15 years there, right? And you worked on some really great stuff and it was a lot of fun. And you convinced Diana to join IBM. So we added another Latina in, in the realm. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you were working on. Talk about Latin America, right? Which we did, did we? No, we didn't cross in Latin America. I was done with Latin America when you went in. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. When I joined IBM, it was in a transactional support role. So being the lawyer for the sales team. So as they're trying to close deals, figuring out how can we get to yes. And I had no idea what that was going to entail. But it turns out because I was more closely aligned with my natural inclinations, I did really well. People really took to the business people really appreciated the way I approached negotiations, the way I built relationships with adversaries. In fact, as a footnote, I'm close friends with some of the people I sat across from in in some intense negotiations, but because you build those connections and the way that I approach things, when I actually said, no, we can't do that. They believed me. It wasn't one of those. Oh yeah. You just say she goes again. Yeah, exactly. And so because I built that sort of brand, it helped propel me to explore other opportunities or to be considered. So there's something, I guess, naturally happens. It could be good buzz, which I had, or so good buzz, which some people have. And so the good buzz results in other leaders in the legal department saying, oh my gosh, I really want to have Diana on my team. They say this and this about her. And so then when an opportunity opens up, they kind of pluck you. There's no, hey, would you be interested? It's more congratulations. You are now on this team. And you're like, what What does that mean? <laughs> um, but it's a sign that they value you. They see potential in you. They're looking to invest in you. And so I kept getting those opportunities. although. Again, just a a pivotal moment. There was one senior leader who was on international, had come to the U.S., very intense. You know who I'm talking about, Maria. And she came to visit the New York office and she was meeting with each of the members of the team. And I meet with her and you get kind of nervous because what is she going to throw at you? Very direct. And she says to me, Adrian, I used to hear a lot about about you. I'd hear your name. I haven't heard about you lately. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, good question, though. Good question between us and your entire audience of podcast listeners. <laughs> like you do realize it's recorded, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, names have been changed to protect the innocent. No, what happened <laughs> was I had come back from maternity leave. I was probably still in somewhat of a nesting mode. I knew, always knew I wanted to be a career woman working mom. I was phoning it in. Who are we kidding? I, Knew my job. I did it well. I didn't have to give extra. Well, I thought I was doing a good job. It turns out it was being noticed that I wasn't flashing all of that good stuff. And so by the end of that conversation, she was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move you into this other role. You're going to get a lot of visibility and you're going to figure out your childcare issue. I was like, okay. Okay. (laughs) And Literally within three weeks, I had a call saying, okay, you're going to move to the outsourcing team. And these are the deals you're going to work on. These are the clients you're going to support. And I was like, "Um, okay. 
but it was a great experience. And again, a pivotal moment where had she not been clear with me, I would have just kind of moseyed on along and potentially fallen off track without even recognizing it. Right. Then there was a time where promotions were frozen, but someone was promoted who was, I guess, junior to me years out of school and years at the company. And I asked, am I, did I run my runway? Am I out of runway? What does this mean? And the answer I got was, well, you really need to differentiate yourself because yes, you're great, but so is this person. So is this person. They're great people everywhere. And so to kind of come out in front of the pack, you have to do something different. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? And he mentioned international assignments, which not everyone can do because of their family situation. And that was not something I considered. People come to IBM for that. I was like, New Yorker through and through. And that's how eventually we got to Mexico and supporting Latin America as an opportunity, which was phenomenal. It was supposed to be two years. Quickly realized this was where I could make a lot of impact, have a lot of impact. My family was thriving and extended it to three years. So now we've heard about at least two instances where you've gotten this. I mean, I wouldn't say it, it kind of is tough feedback, right? I don't want to label it, but it is, right? Because it's very direct, but that's exactly what you want, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love hearing the summary of it and how you took the feedback and how that made you move on into another great step in your career. But what happens in the immediate moments when you walk out of these conversations? Because it's a lot to handle. And I think that's something that people of, regardless of where your career is, maybe you're a lawyer who went to the business side and have, but feedback happens everywhere. How do you process that? That's a great question. I think in part, I now know that my uh, initial reaction is probably a state of like numbness because it's almost like my brain freezes. So even to be able to ask the questions to solicit immediate, can you tell me more, isn't always automatic, right? And so in those moments, it was, what is happening? And then in the back of my mind, it starts like a Charlie Brown peanuts where the teachers, that's what I start hearing, but I'm like, no, I need to be present. And then you exit the room. And honestly, you know, I almost wanted to go to the bathroom and maybe cry a little bit, call home. But then if I call home, I'm really going to start crying. So it's almost like, how quickly can I get out of the building so that I can be vulnerable, right? And process it. And yeah, it was definitely recognizing that it's not an immediate processing. It's almost like a little bit of shock, which Candidly, I think helped me because I didn't break down. I'm a crier. I cry. I'm, I just Hallmark commercials, all that stuff. So <laughs> it would have been really easy to the waterworks and then forget it. All credibility is shot. It was keep the composure. I can always come back and ask more questions and exit as gracefully as possible. Have you changed the way you behave in situations where... Or, or behave or prepare for situations where you're going to get feedback, like knowing what you know now, right? And then many years in your experience as, as a career woman, a lawyer, have you done something proactively to make sure that you're better prepared for those situations? Yes. So what's interesting is having had those pivotal feedback exchanges, 
prompted me to proactively seek feedback in the moment. What that looked like was after working on a negotiation where a senior member of the team is on there with me, hey, Bob, uh, literally Bob, because he was my guy and he was awesome. But he, wasn't. <laughs> he is still awesome. He's not dead. <laughs> All right. Hey, Bob, what did I do well? What do you think I could focus on for the next time? And, and listen, not everyone's good at giving feedback, but at least you give people very pointed questions. Not how'd I do, but what did I do well? What could I do better? What could I do differently? And that helped to cre- create relationship but also give me some input. Oh, you actually do this well. And maybe let me get back to you on something you can improve. So it's that now I act proactively seek it because that idea of waiting till your annual review where you don't have any context or examples, it's that late. doesn't serve any of us. No, it's too late. So too let late. me ask you about blockchain. You became the lead counsel for blockchain at IBM. I was still there at the time at the point in time where people did not even know what blockchain was, right? I mean, even the laws were, I don't even think in place. So what made you interested in that? And talk a little bit about kind of why you agreed to do that. So I've never been really a technology junkie in the sense that some people are like cutting edge. They know about things before they're big. I know, shocker. But for whatever reason, and I I couldn't tell you exactly how it came about, but the concept of blockchain got on my radar right around the time we were filling out this sort of, well, if you could have your wish list of areas to work on, what would it be? And I had put blockchain first. I think I put privacy, which I would never do something else. And the other piece of advice that, Maria, you were super helpful in giving me, as well as other people who'd been on assignment, was to be intentional about maintaining connections with the mothership while on assignment. Because for no fault of anybody, there isn't an intentional re-entry plan for most people. So unless you are, hey, Maria, just wanted to check in what's going on in your group. Are there any changes coming up? Or when you hear about changes to to have those touch points with critical people was key. So I had been very vocal throughout my assignment. Hey, ideally, I'd like to come back in a promotion, uh, promoted role, but I'd love to try something new. Keep me in mind when something opens up on your team. So that happened across paths with the blockchain business unit being stood up. And coming up on the end of my assignment. And because my name kept getting mentioned, they were like, oh, well, Adrian's coming back. Maybe this might be a good role. And then it's like a game of chess. You start moving different people. So I got the call saying, hey, we're starting this group. Thought this might be a great opportunity for you. What do you think? And the what do you think is not really a discussion. It's we've already put you in that role. Thankfully, it was something I was interested in. So I was super excited. I'm like, yes, thank you for thinking of me. Um, tell me where I sign up. That's pretty cool. And I think you you bring up another good point, which is regardless of where you are, whether it's a, a company or a law firm, right? There is, it is very important to be visible. And I know that means a whole new thing in with the, the virtual world, but being visible and being present in the minds of those who lead you. And that requires right being intentional, as you said, but it's also about just giving 
giving all of your talent all the time, regardless of where you are in your role, right? Giving more than just the basic responsibilities and showing interest in the actual success of the place that you're in. Exactly. If you're there, be there. Right. And willing to take challenges, right? You you were a person who was always willing to take a challenge and willing to learn. And I think that's an important piece to consider when you're considering someone for a new role. Is this going to be someone I'm going to drag into that role kicking and screaming, right? Or is this someone who's going to say, oh man, I don't know much, but I will figure it out, right? For sure. I also think an important element was understanding that when your name was put for something, at least at IBM, it was because they saw something in you that perhaps you did not see in yourself. And I have to say now, looking back, they really did a good job with that, right? Because sometimes you're like, wait, why this person? Why that role? I would have been great for that role. But then as it turns out, they actually did a really nice job of, oh no, I see this potential. And and if we can develop that, this will be a great opportunity. I did start to trust that a little bit more as I got more experience with the way that they moved me around. So you just described yourself kind of as a non-techie person, right? (laughs) And now I see a pattern going all the way back to Stony Brook days. And you end up in blockchain of all things, right? Uh, What was that like? So it was finding, first of all, I thought it was fascinating that there were no experts, right? So people kind of hold themselves out as, oh, I'm a blockchain expert. It's really, how can you possibly, and in the legal sphere, right? How can you possibly be an expert, right? We can't tell if the SEC rules really fit when the concept of cryptocurrency, there are really no laws that squarely apply to technology. And the way that IBM was approaching blockchain was to leverage the technology to fix industry-wide problems. So in the financial space, how can you have more consistent record of truth? How can you reduce fraud? How can you reduce friction, right? So almost displacing unnecessary intermediaries and just be more efficient. And so that really interested me, kind of bringing order to the chaos And so that's what I leaned into, sort of the ways that the technology was going to be used versus really digging deep into the technology itself. So I had enough of an understanding to be able to speak to it and give examples of how it could work and then being able to articulate that in negotiations with attorneys who were hearing about it for the very first time. So you become this blockchain expert. Willingly, unwillingly, but pretty awesomely, right? Because you, I think you developed quite a craft around the topic at the time when it was very hot. But now you're, you moved on. You moved on from that role from IBM and embarked on a whole new adventure after what, what was it? 15 years at IBM or something like that? Yeah, I was close to hitting 16 years, which is crazy. Yeah, that's a long time. Can you tell us about that? As switch and or next step, I'd say. Yes. As a result of being a member of Poder 25, the pipeline program to really build out more Latino and Latina uh, GCs, it opened my eyes to that being a possibility. I had never thought, oh, I want to be a GC because my example was the GC of IBM. That's like a huge job. Yeah. And so, oh, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> 
think it is. I mean, maybe um, <laughs> it comes with some really nice financial rewards, but still for me, it was such a big leap that I hadn't considered that there are a lot of in-between steps that you could choose instead. And so through that exposure to people who are making the move or different ways to think about it, building relationships with recruiters, I started to think, okay, well, if I stay at IBM, I've had a great run, but what is next for me? The groups that were untapped for me included litigation, included privacy and compliance, which were not really of interest. And I'd learned my lesson many years ago. If I'm not interested in it, I'm not going to be good at it and it'll show. And so I kind of, (laughs) what really opened my eyes was the fact that I enjoyed how technology and blockchain was being used for good. So that became my sort of North Star, whatever move I wanted to make. And my big thing was I'm running, I want to run to something. I don't want to run from something, which I was fortunate in that. I was fine. I I could have stayed at IBM. So I had the luxury of being, having time and energy to be very intentional. I didn't need to take the first thing that presented itself. And so through conversations, trying to finesse, well, what does technology for good look like? And I got to meet with a recruiter who had reached out to me for a totally different role. I think we both knew that role was not for me, but it allowed us to talk and She helped me distill that down a little bit further, sort of like social impact. And she was aware of the listing that was going to be coming out for Cengage Group for this role. It wasn't her listing, but she said, oh, there's this company, Cengage, maybe like a succession opportunity for the GC. It's great. It's, I was like, okay, great. Thanks so much. No exaggeration. Two weeks later, I get an email from... Barker Gilmore. I was on their list for different webinars and whatnot. And it was one of those, dear Adrian, do you know anyone in your network who might be interested in an opportunity with a education technology company based in Boston? (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, this is that listing. Like this is the job. It's nice. This is the job. So now just in parallel, because of Polar 25, I had invested in a resume writer. So my resume was ready. I had talking points ready and I was able to say, me, great, send us your resume. I sent it. I was on the phone with the recruiter that afternoon. And as it worked out, she was presenting a slate of candidates that following week. And so I was on that slate and was the front runner throughout, thankfully. And I've loved every minute of it since. And that that took a lot of, it took a lot of, again, being intentional and preparation for the opportunity as opposed for waiting for the opportunity and scrambling to show up for it. For sure. Uh, And kissing a lot of frogs along the way, right? It wasn't, (laughs) I don't want to give the impression that I I prepared and then there was this one time. Just show up. (laughs) Right. He did not. There were lots of interviews and rounds and, oh, this is going to be the opportunity. And then it it never worked out because they weren't the right ones, right? It takes a certain level of being able to look back, honestly, to say, yeah, I may have wanted it or thought I wanted it, but this is, it didn't happen because this is where I needed to be. Yeah. So now I'm going to take you to, we're going to start to wind down. So I'm going to ask you just to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be, and I think the three of us could answer this question, but I want to hear your response. What does it mean to be a Latina in technology? 
It means being willing to lean in when there may not be many people who look like you, right? So it's great that we're here together and the three of us mirror each other. But the reality is when we go out into our respective days, we may, even New Yorkers, right, be the only Latino face, voice, name. And for me, the journey has been almost... I wear it as a badge of honor and a responsibility, right? So the way I show up is going to inform how someone who maybe has not worked with a Latina before is going to view the next Latina or Latino who comes in, right? Because you have those uh, bias shortcuts, but it could be positive bias, right? That confirmation bias. Oh, this Latina, she was awesome. So the next one must be awesome too. So it's more of that sort of just embracing it and leaning into it. No pressure. No, none at all. No, no, none, right? (laughs) Just, yeah, I know. But but the way you're sharing the entire Latinas, (laughs) the world of Latinas on your back. (laughs) You just have that brand on you. But I think that it's a great uh, point. And then there's also the fact that you have to be authentic because just because we may have similar backgrounds and here we are Colombians from Queens, Adrian, right? And we're not the same. We're very different people. You didn't like the order to show cause. I mean, I kind of got a rush from those things every now and then. So it it happens. We all have different ways of, we're all just different people. Doesn't That's what it comes down to. But there is a certain level of wondering how what you do will impact a greater perception of our population. Yeah. For sure. sure. So just if you could briefly tell us a little bit about what, you know, what stuff you're doing now at Cengage, because I know it's very different than what you've done. And then we're going to wrap this up, even though we've been trying to wrap it up for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> no pressure. Oh my gosh. Okay. I am the head of the commercial legal team. It was a newly created role. And really what that means is supporting all contracting for the company. So we're about a billion dollars in revenue, 5,000 employees around the world, and every contract for the products we sell, for partnerships, for procurement, all of that comes through my team. So building out processes, um, policies, and, and developing the team. I just actually had the privilege of onboarding a new member of my team, the first hire under my watch earlier this week, a woman of color who's a superstar already in the making um, because of the experience she brings and the energy. And I'm just excited to really continue building that partnership with the business, showing the value that we bring and being a partner, strategic and trusted business advisor for them. Well, I'm sure they're lucky to have you. Thanks. (laughs) Our last question, which we always end with or start with, depending on, on, on where we are in this, is. A final takeaway with our listeners, a little bit about what makes your ember blaze and and, and tie that into how they should make their ember blaze, right? What what is your takeaway that helps you blaze and they can use to blaze? I love this question because it really did make me reflect. And I would say it's about being of service to others. So I really light up helping women in particular, and then of course, women of color lean into 
new adventures, ask for more, advocate for themselves. So when I have the opportunity to, whether it's formally mentor, have a coaching call, just speak to someone who is looking for guidance on a transition or an opportunity, that lights me up. And I feel as though I've gotten feedback from different women I've helped along the way, similar to the experience I've had with feedback. Wow. Thank you so much for taking the time because that really helped me make a decision, make that move. And so my encouragement is always, you know, pay it forward, do the same for someone else, take that call, have that virtual coffee, spend a few minutes with someone because you never know that may be just the push that they need, the encouragement to take that risk. That could be such a game changer for them and ultimately for all of us. Okay. And I'll just say, I am uh, been witnessing this from Adrian because the, the way that I got to know Adrian was because I didn't know who to talk to when the opportunity to IBM came up. And I said, let me reach out to Adrian. And she showed up just like she described. And I and to think that she does it for other people, I'm not surprised. And she'll continue to do it. And you're just so valuable to our community and your leadership is definitely appreciated. Thank you. so adrian i'm sorry we have to come to an end we could talk forever right but thank you so much for sharing your career your insights and just your thought process i'm hoping that our listeners have several takeaways and so we're looking forward to your continued success and continued friendship Yes, for sure. And thank you for doing this. It is so important and valuable. And I'm just so excited for you both. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Blazing Ember podcast and our journey to empowerment. Look out for more episodes to keep your ember blazing. Visit blazingember.com where you can connect with us and share your feedback. Hasta pronto.